Welcome to an Impact Ministries production brought to you by Impact Ministries World Changers, changing the way the world sees God. Learn how you can become a world changer today by visiting www.impactministries.com. Now, here's your host, founder of Impact Ministries and developer of Heart Physics, the self development programs that have changed thousands of lives around the world, Dr. Jim Richards. Hello, I'm Jim Richards. This week I'm going to be sharing another in this series on a heart awakening. You know, I've already mentioned this to you, but thousands of people have had incredible discoveries that brought them to freedom and caused their heart to awaken to who they really are in Jesus as they have listened to these messages that I'm sharing with you in this series. Listen, today we're going to be talking about the wake-up call, and the wake-up call is what comes sometimes uninvited and unexpected that suddenly causes us to wake up out of our sleep. And when we wake up and realize where we are, you know, we can go one of two ways. We can go deeper into destruction or we can turn to righteousness. We can turn to how God wants our life to really function and the quality of life that He really, really wants us to have. Uh, call everybody, send everybody a text, send them a Facebook message and get them to watch this message because I'm going to tell you something, a lot of people are going to be awakening and they need to know what to do so they live in victory. You can get this message at impactministries.com. You know, everybody's going to wake up sometime. They're going to wake up and realize that they want to make this dramatic change in their life. And most people are not going to have the tools or the resources really to take the steps they need to take. A Heart Awakening is this 10 CD series where you get three CDs and a free download of my book, Breaking the Cycle, to make sure that when you come to the realization that your life is not working, when you come to the realization of where you really are and what you really want, you'll have the tools to take the steps. Today I'm talking to you about what I call the wake-up call. You know what? We're all going to have a wake-up call or two or three or four in our life. And the wake-up call is when suddenly something so dramatic happens in our life that we literally wake up from our sleep. What do you mean from our sleep? Well, I'm talking about from our emotional sleep, from our spiritual sleep, from the sleep where we've closed our eyes and deceived ourselves about our life and convinced ourselves that, that we can tolerate how we're living. We can tolerate the circumstances that we're creating or that we can even tolerate the people that we're hurting. You know something? We're all going to have a wake-up call. And the key is when we have this wake-up call, do we have the, the knowledge of the truth, the tools, the keys, the resources to take healthy steps that are going to take us to the life that we really want to have? You know what? So many people, when they have a wake-up call, when they have that moment of clarity, instead of going to the promises of God, they go to condemnation. You know what? I was talking with someone just the other day, and they were just, and, and really they just had a moment of clarity, clarity and suddenly... Uh, they went to condemnation. They began to focus on all of the destructive things that they had done over a period of time and began to beat themselves up. And it was, a, it was so painful to watch this person suffer and struggle about something that Jesus had already died for, Jesus had already granted them forgiveness for. Yes, you know, I understand that, that it's a shameful feeling whenever you realize how you've treated people or how you've done something. But I want to tell you something, that's got to drive you to your knees. That's when you got to turn to Jesus and accept the forgiveness that He has. But we're all going to have these wake-up calls. And I'll tell you, when, when you have your wake-up call, 
I want to make sure you got the tools and the resources to, to take the steps <clears throat> that'll get your life on track, get you living and experiencing the life that you really want to live. You know, the, the, the story of the prodigal son is such a, an endearing story. And, and, and in truth, you know, we always emphasize the, the, uh, the life of the prodigal. I think this really should be called the, the story of the forgiving father because that's, re that's really the power of this story. But, but Luke 15, 11 says this. It says, a certain man had two sons and the younger of them said to his father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. In other words, I want my inheritance. So he divided to them his livelihood and not many days after, the younger son gathered all together, journeyed to a far country, and there wasted his possessions with prodigal living. In other words, with disastrous living. And it says, but when he had spent all, there arose a, se a severe famine in that land, and he began to be in want or to be, be in lack. Now, I want to tell you something. Most of the time, when we have a wake-up experience, it's not going to be when everything is going right. It's not going to be when we're getting what we want. Most of the time when we have a wake-up call, it's going to come when we have reached the place of lack. Uh, suddenly, we're not getting what we want. Suddenly, we're having to live in the fruit of the circumstances that we've created by our choices and by our lifestyle. It says, uh, Then he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent it. And he sent him into his fields to feed the swine. And he would gladly have filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, I, boy, I love that phrase, when he came to himself, when he came to his senses. Now, I'll tell you something. You're going to have those moments when you are living in lack. You know, uh, in, in the substance abuse world, and I was a certified substance abuse counselor for many years, in the substance abuse world, we, we, you know, we call that reaching the bottom. You've got to reach bottom sometimes before you ever admit the truth about where you are. And when you reach the bottom, here's the key thing about reaching the bottom. When you reach the bottom, it means not only do you not have what you want, but nobody is willing to give it to you. You know, one of the reasons that our children and and, and different people that get in horrible situations and never come out <clears throat> is because we keep bailing them out. See, reaching bottom, we look at, if you're living a fairly normal life, you look at somebody who's, who, you know, they've lost their home, they're going through a divorce, maybe they've lost custody of their kids, you know, their life is in shambles, they, they may have lost their job, and you look at that and think, how bad does it have to get before you're gonna wake up? But the problem is, Bottom is, 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 is relative. In other words, what's bottom for you may not be bottom for that person. But the key thing, bottom is not just how bad things are. Hitting bottom is when things get destitute and nobody is willing to be a codependent enabler in your life. You see, as long as you keep bailing somebody out, they haven't reached the bottom just because they've spent all of, the, your, all of their money. They only reach the bottom when they spend all of their money and your money. So do not be a codependent enabler. Listen, if you struggle with codependency, if you got people around you that are doing dysfunctional behavior, that's always placing demands on you. Read my book, Take Control of Your Life, because that most of what we do uh, when we're compelled by guilt, obligation, and those kinds of things actually just contributes to the problem. You see, 
the prodigal reached where he was, not just because his circumstances were bad. He reached where he was because nobody was willing to help him. He was ready to eat the pig food, but nobody would even give him the pig food. And when nobody would help him, he came to himself and he said, How many of my father's hired servants have bread enough to spare, and I perish with hunger? I will arise, I will go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. Man, I tell you, we could spend hours on this, on this response. You know, you notice that he had given up all of his excuses. He had no one to blame, and he wasn't going back trying to put other people under obligation and make other people assume responsibility for the life he created. No, instead, he was accepting full responsibility for his life. I want to tell you something. You can't help a person that doesn't accept responsibility for where they are. You know, there's a big movement on now telling Christians they should never confess their sins. And, you know, based on what religion has taught us about that, I, I, I can understand that. There's no, you know, we're not supposed to grovel and, and, and you know, the amount of shame that we feel. All those, that has nothing to do with, with what God wants to have happen in our life. But just because religion has perverted what that means, it doesn't mean that we can reject it altogether. Because the word confess just means to say the same thing. And I'll tell you something. You haven't said the same thing about the dysfunction in your life as long as you've got somebody to blame, as long as you've got an excuse, as long as you're trying to make somebody else obligated. You're only saying the same thing about the dysfunction in your life that God says and the Bible says when you say, number one, uh, forgiveness is mine through the Lord Jesus Christ. Number two, uh, because I'm under grace and not under law, sin has no dominion over me. So, so I'm not doing this because I have to. I'm doing this because of some messed up belief that I have because I think it's going to get me what I want. But, but you also have to acknowledge, but I can come out of this any time that I want. See, that's the, that's the New Testament concept of confessing, owning everything about the truth with no guilt, with no condemnation, you know. As a matter of fact, owning the forgiveness of the Lord Jesus will get you past your guilt. You're going to feel guilt, but owning the forgiveness of the Lord will get you past guilt. And then the Bible says, then whenever you start walking in the light, which is the truth of God's Word, the truth of what God's Word says about you, then and only then are you ready to get back in fellowship with Jesus where the blood of Jesus is going to cleanse you. you know, a lot of people say, well, the blood of Jesus already cleansed me. No, see, your conscience, your spirit's been made clean. But your conscience is a combination of two sources of knowledge. And, and, and uh, one is what's happening in your spirit, man, what God is saying. But the other is what's happening in your soul, what your mind and circumstances are saying. And your spirit and your soul come together in some way to form what we know the heart is. And we know that the blood of Jesus continually cleanses our conscience because our conscience is something that's ongoing. It's dynamic. In other words, one experience with the blood of Jesus years ago has nothing to do with whether or not your conscience is clean uh, uh, today. And you know, the blood of Jesus keeps on cleansing us as long as we uh, as long as we involve ourselves with Him, as long as we accept the truth of His Word, the truth of His finished work, and this sort of thing. So anyhow, you know, that, that's, just, that's just something I, I think you need to understand, particularly if you want to help people or if you want to get, or if you want to get help. 
So he goes back. And, uh, you know, another thing that's really interesting here is all of this is being based on, a, on a, a revelation or an awareness of how good his father is. Now, remember something. At the core of, of finding recovery, at the core of getting set free, at the core of faith, at the core of everything that's healthy about knowing and walking with God has to be the root belief that God is always good. God is good and God's only good. You see, when Jesus came, you know, the Bible says in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And then, and then it says, and the Word became flesh. What that's trying to tell us is what Jesus is going to show us about God is no different than anything God has ever intended. It's no different than anything God ever wanted to show us. The concepts of God being mean, hard, and legalistic, those are twisted carnal concepts in the hearts of men who took something that God gave us for good and turned it into something destructive and something evil. Uh, God's always been good. And you see, I, I guarantee you, when this prodigal was ready to leave home, I guarantee you, he felt like his father owed him something. He felt like his life was too hard. He felt like he deserved his inheritance. And he created a concept of his father that, that was not realistic. Now, I want you to understand something. When he got off into the real world and started living in the circumstances and, and looked back and, and he saw that, that all that his father did was for his good and that even the hired hands in his father's house had it better than the people that were living out there in the world. I want to tell you something. That's, that, that's a wake-up call right there. When you start realizing God didn't do this to me, God's not hard, God's not bad, God's not punishing me, and I'll tell you, that's, that's part of a, a wake-up call. The prodigal came to his senses. He, he had an awakening. Now remember, an awakening of any kind gives us a chance to see with clarity what's really been going on in our life all the time. Sometimes I like to say an awakening causes us to see in our life what everybody else has been, been seeing all along. And sadly, they can't tell us because if we do, we're going to argue. We're going to defend ourselves. We're going to fight with them. So what are some of the things that can cause a hard awakening? Well, you know, it would... The greatest thing that would cause a heart awakening, which this happens every now and then, but the greatest thing that would cause a heart awakening is seeking to live in righteousness. Now, when we think about the word righteousness, again, we interpret it with these religious interpretations. We have this concept that righteousness is when you live a flawless life and it's about how perfect you are. Well, in truth, the word righteousness means, or the word righteous, excuse me, the word righteous means as it should be. You see, as it should be is not just about how perfect you are. As it should be is, are you healed? Because that's, that's how it should be. If you're, if you're living what God wants for you, if you're experiencing God's perfect will for you, then yeah, healing is yours and you should be enjoying it right now. As it should be is, am I prospering? Am I living in abundance? Am I able to contribute to to help other people and, and, and live a good quality of life? Do I have peace in my life? Am I making the people around me feel loved and valued? And am I enjoying a great relationship with God? You see, life as it should be. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Whenever, whenever life here is mirrored as it is in heaven, then 
That's what righteousness is. That's what it means to be righteous, not just to be flawless or perfect. So you see, you see, sometimes when we, when we look around and we see the damage and the destruction in our life, the desire to live righteous isn't like I, necessarily about I want to be flawless. The desire to be righteous is, you know what, this, this isn't how God wants my life to be. Uh, this, this isn't how I want to be. I want to live a life that, that reflects the promises of God. I want to live a life that reflects how good God is. So the greatest thing that can happen to you is you look around one day and you say, you know something, I'm going to start living the promises of God. This is, this is not God's will for me. This is not what God wants for me. God's not doing this. He's not causing this. He's not allowing this. I am making choices that get me here. Sadly, though, most people have awakening in times of, uh, of great tragedy. Now, I want you to understand something. There's a couple of different ways that you can face tragedy. And, and one is when, you, is when you face tragedy and it's instantaneous, like you almost have an automobile accident or you have a 24-hour period of time in your life when you think somebody that you love is going to die or you think you're going to die. And, and man, I'll tell you, you will have instantaneous awakening in these, types of, in these types of events. Suddenly, you get clear about everything. All the things about which you have been deceiving yourself suddenly become crystal clear and you know what the truth is. This is why when people get elderly and get close to dying, why so many people live in regret is because when you know that death is imminent, you get incredible clarity or you have the opportunity for incredible clarity. You know, one of the worst things I ever went through was the came out of the fact that I was born with a congenital kidney disease and all of my young life struggled with health issues. And then after I got born again, and, and you know, I had so many incredible things happen in my life and, and, and life was good, life was working like it was supposed to. You know, I faced challenges and, and, and like everybody faced. But uh, boy, just like the prodigal, you know, it seemed like when one thing started going wrong, everything started going wrong. And, and there was a point in time in my life when everything in my life pretty much fell apart. And uh, uh, I, I was dying. This, this kidney disease had, had kind of started reaching such a, uh, an epic, uh, monumental uh, uh, proportion of dominating my health, if you will, that, you know, it just didn't look like I was going to be around much longer. Well, it took me about four years to walk into my healing. And uh, you say, well, why did it take that long? Well, I'll tell you why, because of what I believed in my heart. You see, there were religious things I had come to believe in my heart about healing, about God's promise for healing. And I had false conditions, just like the woman with the issue of blood. She said, you know, I got to touch the hem of his garment to get healed. Well, she didn't have to touch the hem of his garment. People got healed all the time without touching the hem of his garment. But you see, in her mind, that was the prerequisite that she put on it. Well, in my mind, I had some prerequisites that had to happen in my life before I could before I could believe that healing was already mine in the Lord Jesus Christ. But I'm going to tell you something. As horrible as all of that was in that time in my life, uh, you know, uh, God doesn't send this stuff, but what the, you know, what the enemy sends for evil and destruction, God will turn to your good if you turn your heart to him because I had an awakening during that time. I had an awakening because when I was facing the possibility of death, suddenly everything got crystal clear. 
uh, the, the places I deceive myself about religion, some of the places that I deceive myself about my life, everything got crystal clear. And you know what? I'm glad it wasn't a 24-hour clarity because, you know, if you have a disaster, a threat of a disaster, and it goes away in 24 hours, usually the revelation that you've got goes away with it. But I'll tell you something. When you get up day after day after day and you're facing uh, the reality or the, or the probability of death, I got news for you that you have, to, you have to deal with and develop that clarity every day. And that's why when people get elderly, they can go into incredible spirals of health and, and incredible emotional factors just based on how they are dealing with the clarity that's coming in their life because they know they're about ready to enter eternity. You know something? <clears throat> you can actually go blind or your vision can get worse if you are having to see things in the world around you that you don't want to see. I mean, there are studies about this. It's called hysterical blindness. There were, uh, uh, in, in the Vietnam War, there were, there were hundreds of people that went blind with, that had nothing wrong with their eyes or their nervous system or their brain. They went blind because they had seen so many of their family members butchered, tortured, and killed. They couldn't stand it. They couldn't live with it. And the only way they could deal with it was that, was, was that their heart shut their eyes down. People can go deaf. I believe people can go into dementia. I, I'm not saying that everybody that does that goes into dementia does this, or everybody that goes blind does this, but I'm saying you can get elderly and go into dementia because it's the only retreat from what you're seeing and having to face about your life. I'll tell you something. We want to face the end with no condemnation, with no, with no, no fear whatsoever. You know, another time when clarity comes is just when the fruit of our behavior causes our circumstances to overtake us. And suddenly, when we're living in the, in the fruit of our life, suddenly, all the excuses don't really matter. Suddenly, having somebody blamed doesn't matter. You see, everybody realizes their mistakes when they're caught. And does, being sorry doesn't mean anything. You know, it's amazing. The church always wants you to feel sorry because in their mind, that's, that's, that's what repentance is, is. It's when you feel sorry for your sin, you know, feeling sorry don't mean anything. You know, 2 Corinthians 7, 9 says this. Paul says, Now I rejoice, not that you were made sorrow or sorry, but that your sorrow led to repentance. See, repentance is a good thing. He's, because all repentance is, is a change of mind. He says, for you were made sorry in a godly manner that you might suffer loss uh, from us in nothing. For godly sorrow produces a repentance leading to sozo, salvation, saved, healed, delivered, blessed, prospered, protected, made whole, set apart, all of those things, not to be regretted and not to be repentant of. In other words, not to change your mind of again. He says, but the sorrow of the world produces death. You see, there is a regret for the consequences. There is an embarrassment. There's a loss of privileges. There are all kinds of things that can happen to us whenever we are faced with the sorrow uh, of the circumstances catching up with us, when we get caught, when things go wrong. And in that moment, we're going to have clarity. And we're going to use that clarity to go into the sorrow of the world, or we're going to use that clarity to go into 
a, a, a godly sorrow which will bring about repentance. Yes, repentance is for the believer because repentance isn't about wallowing in shame. Repentance isn't about getting down and condemning and beating yourself up. Repentance is about finally saying, I am changing my mind. I am going to believe what God says. I am going to, I am going to base my life on, on God's promises. I am giving up this deception that I've been, that I've been living in. I'm going to quit lying to myself. I'm going to quit lying to others. I'm going to follow God because following God is the only life that will produce the joy and the happiness that I want. Now, I want to tell you something. When these moments of clarity come, if you don't seize them, see, most of you are not going to be in those situations like I was where for four years you're getting up every day knowing that the end could be close. See, most of you are going to have those 24-hour, 48-hour challenges or maybe a week at the most. And the truth is, as soon as that challenge is gone, that, that revelation, that clarity leaves you. And sometimes you only have hours or days to make the right decision. Well, I want to tell you something. I want, I want to help you and empower you to make the right decision. I'm going to be back in just a few minutes with my mentoring moment. I'll tell you, I, I want this to be an incredible investment in your life. I want this to be something that strengthens you for a great life. Heart Awakening is an incredible series that will help you come out of your emotional debt of the past. It'll help you put behind you all of these things that keep messing up your relationships, keep messing up your life. It's a 10 CD series. It's gonna be a real blessing to you. And I'll tell you something, I'm gonna toss in three free CDs and a free download of my book, Breaking the Cycle, because I really want you to have the tools that you need to work through these problems. You're gonna learn all kinds of things about how to deal with relationship problems, emotional problems, defense mechanisms, and all kinds of issues. You know, 1 Corinthians 15, 34 says, Awaken to righteousness and sin not. Now, most of our concepts of righteousness and most of our concepts of sin are really not 100% biblically based. Sin is anything that causes me to feel and experience myself as less than I really am in relationship to God, which of course leads then to destructive behavior. Righteousness is where I experience myself as I should be in the presence of God and standing before God, which leads to uh, behavior that contributes to the quality of my life. You know, you could interpret uh, 1 Corinthians 15 34 as saying, awake to righteousness, not to sin. Because you see, so many times when you have an awakening, which is usually going to come when you suddenly realize where you have deceived yourself, or when you suddenly realize that you've been doing people wrong, or when you suddenly realize that your behavior is totally unacceptable. Now see, in those moments, we get flooded with guilt. And some people say that guilt has no, absolutely no value. Well, that's kind of a, an exaggeration. Guilt lets you know that you cannot, your righteous nature cannot accept what you're doing. But you don't need to stay in guilt. You don't need to live in guilt. You need to take that as the red light on the dashboard that says, you know, I am having an awakening and I can awake to righteousness or I can wake to sin. I can wake to awaken unto making my life as it should be or I can awaken unto new ways to destroy my life. See, I don't want to wake up. I don't want to deny the problem. I don't want to fight. I don't want to come up with excuses. I don't want to give up. I don't want, you know, I, I don't want to blame somebody else. I don't want to try to prove myself right when I have this awakening. I want to repent. I want to change my mind. Change my mind about who I am. Change my mind about how I want to live. Change my mind about how I want to treat people. And I want to put this on. This is what the Bible calls putting on the new man. This is where I get in the presence of God. It's like, Father, 
I, I'm, I don't want this behavior over here. I don't want these beliefs over here. I send this away in the name of Jesus. It's not from God. I don't have to have it. And this is what I choose. This is the person I choose to be. This is how I choose to treat the people in my life. This is how I choose to manage my money. This is the kind of employee or employer I choose to be. In other words, we put on Christ. We awaken unto life as it should be. Thanks for listening to the weekly Impact Ministries World Changers podcast with Dr. Jim Richards. If you like what you've just heard, we encourage you to share our web address, www.impactministries.com with friends and colleagues. Be sure to check out the resources section of our website for previous podcasts and our videos. Join us next week for another great message by Dr. Jim Richards.